Hello. 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 Hello, my name is Matthew West, and I'm the host of this podcast. It's called the Matthew West Podcast. I really hope you like it. Hello. Join psychologist and author Dr. Allison Cook as she guides you through some of your toughest challenges with wisdom, humor, and grace. Together with friends and experts, we're going to unpack the best of psychology from a faith-based perspective, which is really important. You're going to discover how to break free from painful patterns, mend your past, and discover what brings out the best of you. Episodes release every Thursday, which is a good thing, right? Because we know which podcast releases every Wednesday. Very smart of you, Dr. Allison Cook. Stay out of my way. I'm just kidding. I am just kidding. For more information and to get to know Allison, follow along on Instagram at Dr. Allison Cook, A-L-I-S-O-N Cook, and be sure to check out her podcast, The Best of You. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Matthew West Podcast. I'm your host, Matthew West, and as always, I really hope you like it. Thank you for joining me today. We did it. We completed the brand new tour. We finished strong with five shows in the great state of Florida. Had an absolute blast. I just want to say thank you to all of you out there who listened to this podcast who also showed up to the brand new tour on the spring tour. It was just such an amazing experience getting back on the tour bus, traveling around the country. Two years ago, I released the brand new album and we were planning the brand new tour and we finally got to do that tour two years later. So I just wanted to start today's episode by thanking everybody who made it such a special uh, trip around the sun. It was it was an epic time. And want to let you know that there is a special virtual version of the concert. If you weren't able to see it or if you want to just relive it, uh, my friends at Compassion International filmed, they came out to film the show and uh, we put it together for you on a special one night only live stream event. So go to MatthewWest.com if you would like to get your ticket and don't miss it. It's going to be, you know, these, these virtual concerts have been a way for us to connect with people, not just around the country, but around the world as well. So uh, if you're an international listener and you're mad at me for not traveling to England or Ireland or any of the other lands, don't be mad. Don't be mad. Come on, guys. Don't be mad. You can get your ticket for this special on-demand viewing that will take place May 20th at 7 p.m. Central. I literally just went to MatthewWest.com, and you can click to get virtual tickets. Thanks to my friends at Compassion Live. They got some really cool options, too. You can actually sponsor a child if you haven't already, which I can't encourage you to do highly enough. Uh, You sponsor a child, you get a free ticket to come to the show. So be sure to check that out. Um, All right. Last week, we celebrated episode 100 of the Matthew West podcast. Thank you to you guys for uh, just an amazing journey that this has been. Here we are. It's time for episode 101. Holy cow. That's crazy. Uh, let's get into today's show. I think you're really going to like this conversation. My guest today has a brand new book out called What's Here Now? How to Stop Rehashing the Past and Rehearsing the Future and Start Receiving the present, the power of the present tense and uh, being fully in the moment, which I think is a, an important message for right now. You know, this is a, a new friend of mine. She is a sought after speaker and popular pastor. 
and she's inviting readers to embrace the present moment and all that God has for us here right now. That sounds like something I want to do. I think it sounds like something you want to do. Let's go to the story house with my friend who turns out we have a lot more in common than I even realized. Let's go to the story house with Gene Stevens. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, Gene Stevens is here uh, at the story house, which by the way, I don't know if you knew that, but we call, I call my studio where I write all my songs and record this podcast. I call it the Story House. And so, welcome to the Story House and welcome to the Matthew West podcast. On a scale of nine to 10, what's your level of excitement being a guest on this show? Well, since you only gave me a nine to 10, <laughs> I'm, I'm 10 over, Matthew. I, I'm 10.5. <laughs> I, I'm so excited uh, for this conversation. I have to do I refer to you as Reverend? I want, I want to make sure that I'm respectful. So what is what is your title? And let's start there. Absolutely not. You do not need to refer to me as Reverend. Okay. My title is lead pastor uh, at Soul City Church. Uh, my husband and I started the church about 11 years ago, but most people just say, hey, you. So that that's my <laughs> title. So um, <laughs> that's what yeah, my when... kids say to me. Um, that's what most people <laughs> at the church say to me. So uh, yeah, I am far from fancy titles. Well, being a preacher's kid uh, who's still in recovery for that, uh, I know that the t- the definition of lead pastor means leading the way in all things, uh, servanthood to be more specific, right? Like I grew up in a... Like pastor, literally the word means to lead people to pasture, right? I mean, that's where the word is. And so I'm like, listen, I'm leading myself to pasture and hopefully some people are coming along with me for good transformation, right? Uh, I think that's beautiful. And I have to say, instead of leading me to pasture today, the thought that you're in Chicago and I'm getting to speak to you in Chicago and I'm from Chicago, I was thinking first you could lead me to pizza. And I want to know what are you Lou Malnati's? Are you Gino's? Are you um, Giordano's? Do you have... Or are you lactose intolerant? I don't know. <laughs> Very important question. Very important. And this is going to set a tone for our conversation today. So I am 100% Lou Malnati's. <sighs> oh, you are my friend. You are my friend. I am dear, dear friends with Mark and Jeannie Malnati. They helped us start our church. She's my best friend. Wait, I actually wait, 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 wait. You're telling me you have Malnati connections? I do. I'm going to send you a pizza. Oh, this is the greatest interview I've ever done. And we just started. We So my band and I, we always like whenever we come through Chicago, there's always this big argument about which pizza we should get on the bus after the show. And I am Lou Malnati's all day, every day. And I grew up in the Chicago suburbs, so I've tried them all. And trust, I mean, it's not like I'm going to turn any of them down. But Lou Malnati's is hands down my favorite. And I, I had a feeling, I, get, I think I'm going to like Gene. And now I know it's not just because of your awesome new book. It's also because we have the same taste in pizza. My friends Mark and Jeannie is that her and I have the same exact name and we spelled the same and we both go by Jeannie. Whenever we find ourselves in uh, settings with one another, we call ourselves Genie Squared. I am 100% Lou Malnati's all the way. So you can tell all the guys on the bus, there's no more argument. It's just always going to be Malnati's. We heard it from an expert. How did you get to know the Malnati's just out of curiosity? Yeah. uh, I mean, I'll make a long story short. Their son, Will, was in our youth ministry many years ago. So I got to know him. 
and then met his parents and then met their other kids, ended up doing their yes. daughter's wedding. And she's just my dearest and closest friend. So next time you see him, tell him that I'm a, I'm a fan of their work and, uh, we, uh, we order their pizzas to Nashville every now and then. So, And since we're on the Chicago topic, just one other question, if I may, before we get into your awesome new book, which just came out yesterday, by the way. The book's called What's Here Now? How to Stop Rehashing the Past and, and Rehearsing the Future and Start Receiving the Present. I can't wait to talk about this. In this present moment, that subtitle could really apply to um, Chicago sports fans. We rehash the past, we rehearse the future, and we really have a hard time when our teams are losing. So uh, do you have a baseball team? The Cubs all the way. Okay, north side, okay. I am a diehard Chicago Bulls fan. So, And we are going to the playoffs this year, and our team has never looked better. I want to hope and say that since you grew up in the Chicagoland area, you also love your beloved Bulls. I'm all Chicago teams. Now, I will say a lot of my Chicago friends have called me a sellout because, you know, when I travel around the country, you know, we'll play at the San Francisco Giants Stadium and they'll give me a jersey. And, uh, you know, I'm not going to turn down a free jersey and I got to get the cheap applause from the crowd. So but they all call me a Fairweather fan. So you've you've probably uh, if anybody follows me on social media, you might be shocked to hear that I really do have a, a diehard fandom for one team because I've been known to put on many teams' colors. But between you and me, Gene, I'm all cubby all the way. Good, good. I love it. So you've been in ministry for many years. I want to start by asking you, though, maybe we could call it chapter one of what even led you to where you are today. I can't wait to hear what it was that God was putting on your heart, like the why for writing this book. But I want to start by just asking you the why for your relationship with the Lord. Every guest that I have on the show, I love how every story is different, every interview is different, and I always learn and grow so much. But one question that's the same every episode is I ask people to tell me, can you just tell me about the moment when your faith became real to you. And when you said yes to Jesus, and for me, I was on a blue couch watching a Billy Graham crusade on TV when I when I had that defining moment and asked Jesus into my heart. So I call it a blue couch story. So can you start by sharing you know, your version of a blue couch story, the moment where you decided that Jesus was the Lord of your life and you wanted to follow him all your days? Yeah. Well, I've listened to your podcast many times, so I always love the blue couch stories. And we are all a tapestry of experiences, right? We're all a beautiful story unfolding. And so I love that you want to know the the genesis of how somebody first connected with Jesus. And for me, my blue couch story doesn't have a blue couch in it, but it goes back to my middle school years, uh, which is so funny because I think you and I actually, our kids are the same age. Um, I have a 16 year old and a 13 year old. So whenever I tell this story, I think, oh my gosh, I was my kid's age, right? When this was (laughs) happening in my life. And I grew up in the Chicagoland area and an incredible family, My heritage is from the Catholic Church, and so I spent years and years and years walking into Mass, um, standing, kneeling, sitting, standing, kneeling, sitting, but I always had this sense like, there's a God. That God loves me. I don't know how to put it all together, but I know I'm loved. Well, a friend of mine in middle school, I was about 13 years old, uh, she said to me, hey, 
I'm going to this summer camp. Do you want to come with me? And I was like, summer camp sounds fun. She then said, there's really cute boys there. And I was like, done, let's go. Uh, And so I signed up and went to this summer camp up in Lake Geneva, which is close to the Chicagoland area. I know where that is. And um, that was the first time that an idea of God wanting to have a relationship with me clicked. I always knew there was a God. I always knew that God loved me, but that that God wanted to know me and connect with me and guide me and walk through life with me, that's where it all came together for me. And so I pinpoint that as kind of the shift in my relationship with God. And things really began to change in my life. And I I'm so grateful. Some incredible youth leaders came into my life. A great church entered into my life and story. Yeah, ended up getting this sense through mentors and leaders that, you know, a leader said to me, I think God has marked your life for ministry. And I was like, what? What are you talking about? What does that even mean? Like marked my life for ministry. I don't even know what you're talking about. And what he was trying to say was, God has put a calling on your life, Jeannie. I hope you follow it. And, you know, as a 13, 14, 15, 16-year-old, 17-year-old kid, I was trying to uncover what does that mean and how do I live that out? And don't we all have a calling? And how does that look? What is a vocation? What is a pastor? Mm. You know, frankly, Matthew, I had never seen examples of somebody like me doing what I'm doing. Uh, most of my examples were men leading in congregations and churches. And and so I was like, well, what does that even look like? I know I'm a leader and a communicator and a teacher, and I I get these things about me, but how do I do this? And so it's been a long unfolding and a long journey of of figuring that all out. But um, that's kind of my blue couch story. I was just going to say, isn't it cool how... The power of someone's words, too, though, that like that person saw something in you and then obeyed like to maybe it was the Lord leading them clearly, because look at the full circle picture now. I even think like that's just a good reminder for us. Like lately, I feel like I've been trying to lean in more to go like before thoughts pass, you know, they come in one ear or whatever. And then before I let them get out the other to really ask the Lord, like, am I supposed to act on that? Am I supposed to speak that that word of encouragement to that person? And uh, and so I think that's so cool how you still remember that when you're retelling your story of defining moments, you remember somebody telling you that you were marked for ministry. And that was a way of the Lord getting your attention in a powerful way. And now here you are. And you're exactly right. I mean, I, you don't think about it as much anymore. But I mean, the fact that you really were you probably felt like you were blazing a trail in your community, being that most examples you saw were were men and not women. So that's really powerful. I'm so grateful that a handful of people just got ordained, stepped into my story, right? And they they served as turning point moments. I will forever mark a few different conversations that turned direction for me. And I think that now sitting in this posture, having a 13-year-old and a 16-year-old, you know, leading a church of a lot of young professionals in their, you know, 20s, maybe early 30s that are looking for, you know, what am I supposed to do with my life? What's my purpose, right? What's my calling, right? That's such a ethereal question, right? Like, what am I supposed to do with this one 
precious, beautiful life that God has given to me. I want to be the kind of person that notices and pays attention and intentionally says, this is what I see. Might God be leading you in this direction? Not in a like, high, lofty, the Lord told me, and so I'm telling you, but just one of those people that kind of, you know, helps somebody look right around the corner of, of what God might be doing and saying, hey, might it be that? Which is perfect because, you know, this book that you've just released, which congratulations, by the way, I know what a labor of love that is. It's got to feel so exciting, right? I told somebody the other day, I feel vulnerable every day. Like every day I feel <laughs> extreme levels of vulnerability. And, and I, I find myself like, where are these tears coming from? And I'm a believer in tears. I just think they're liquid love, right? Falling from our eyes. Yeah. But I'm like every single day, I am like feeling the depth of vulnerability. And I think it's just um, believing so deeply in wanting to help people live from the present moment, partially mm. because I know the ache and the pain of not living in the present moment. I, I know what it's done to my life. And so I so long for people to have the connection of being in this now moment. And what I love is even what you just started with chatting about how by being in the present moment yourself, you're then able to be more aware of how God might use you to speak into somebody else's life, right? Which is so cool. But so you you said you feel vulnerable. Is that because these pages are drenched with, as you said, your, what'd you say, liquid tears, your liquid, <laughs> which that tells me, even that statement you're making, that tells me that this book is written from a real place, perhaps a real place of struggle. I know for me, when I think about the scripture and Jesus says, so don't, so don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will take care of itself. Each day carries enough trouble of its own. I think of that scripture, and I, I love how it sounds, but I had the hardest time living that out. I worry about tomorrow. I worry about yesterday. And what it usually results in is frantic me in the present moment. A great picture to paint would be sitting on the beach with my wife, supposed to be on vacation, and I am just... I cannot sit still. I have to be doing something to advance my future. I have to be, you know, it's just so hard to be in the present moment. So tell me your why in terms of why you had to write this, why you were willing to be vulnerable. It has to come from a real place for you to feel the way you feel now that the book is out into the world. Yeah, it does. And I love that passage that you shared of, of Jesus. And, um, and gosh, isn't it amazing that he draws us to the birds of the air and the flowers of the field to be our teachers, right? They don't worry about their lives, and yet we do. And I think often about other words that Jesus said, and he said, what good is it for you to gain the whole world yet forfeit your soul? And this book really came from me being on the doorstep of forfeiting my soul. It's amazing to me that what the calling I had on my life and the work that I set out to do. My husband and I started this church in downtown Chicago about 11 years ago, and it's called Soul City Church. Um, <laughs> and yet here I was about three or four years into leading this church. And Matthew, the truth is that I was forfeiting my soul. I felt exhausted. I felt drained. I felt burnt out. Um, and the more I worked for God, the more the work of God was deteriorating in me. And it wasn't because of God. <laughs> it was because of how I was living. And I began to just realize that most of us, just like you were saying, we're not really here. 
<laughs> we're somewhere else. We're either rehashing the past, things that happened 10 minutes ago, five years ago, 10 years ago, or we're rehearsing the future. We're thinking about the meeting that we have, you know, later in the day or the conversation we need to have with this loved one, you know, in a couple of weeks. And so if we're trying to change our past, which is basically rehashing the past, or we're trying to control our future, we're not really choosing this now moment. And what I began to realize is that the zip code of God is right here and right now. The only way that we can ever truly encounter the presence yeah. of God is if we're here and now. You and I, right now, God is here. In this now moment, will we let ourselves be in the presence of God? And, you know, it's funny because I think of even like, songs, right? Where we sing about like, I want to get into the presence of God, right? And, and I think, you know, so often we can't attain the presence of God because we're already in the presence of God. We're just not present to the presence of God. And so I started to mm. realize that thinking about the past and thinking about the future, those are just ways that we kind of contemplate life but they're very ineffective ways to transform our life, to actually be with God in the here and the now. And, and you know, we both know what it feels like when somebody is with us, but not really with us. Did you have cameras set up in my house yesterday when my wife literally busted me on that very thing? She's like, you're not here right now. It happens to me all the time. And so this book really came from me realizing that so much of my exhaustion and my pain and my, um, my tension in life was from realizing I'm not here. And so it got me asking the question, which is the title of the book, what's here now? If what's I'm not here, here then where am I, right? <laughs> like, where am I hanging out? And that's when I realized I'm, I'm really hanging out in the past or the future. And so I wanted to be able to, you know, like when you go to uh, the mall and they've got those like red dots, like you are here, or the are airport here. or something like yeah. that. I wanted to be able to create a way to, to draw myself back to this moment and to be here now, because I realized when we're here, we actually experience freedom. We experience presence we experience a sense of belonging. It can happen with, you know, like you were talking about your conversation with your wife yesterday, somebody that is the deepest love of your life, you know, can she feel that you're really belonging to one another? And it can happen with somebody you and I just met, right? And, and we right. can have a sense of, I'm here with this person experiencing presence. And so that's where the question came from. What's here now? We talk about wanting to be spending time in the presence of God and while we're talking about it, we're actually oftentimes missing the very fact that he's offering it to us right there, to be still, Psalm 4610, be still and know that I am God. The power of God's presence is always available to us, and we're not paying attention. So what were some things that the Lord showed you when you decided, because really making progress in any areas of our lives, 
will not happen accidentally. It will not happen without intentionality. And the same goes for our journey of faith. I always feel like the journey of a songwriter a lot of times parallels with my journey of faith. So if I just wait around for the feeling to inspire me to write a song, then I might write an occasional song. But when I dig in and go write a song tomorrow, even if I don't feel like it, The Lord shows up. He honors that discipline. Something awesome always surprises me and takes place. And the same thing goes like when I don't want to open my Bible, but I do it anyway. And I am intentional towards growth uh, spiritually and not just professionally or even personally. So what were those things that you felt the Lord showing you as you began to take an intentional move and turn of direction to say, no, I will not miss the power of God's presence and the power of this present moment and what he wants to show me. Yeah. I I love that. And and such a good question because there's this phrase that says, uh, the teacher will appear when the student is ready. But what I love about that is, and I'm, I'm just like you, when you refer to your songwriting, um, I just, write in a different way, right? I, I write messages, yeah. I write books, I write content to hopefully speak to the soul of people. But I cannot write out of a place that is dry and empty. I want messages to do their work in me before they ever do they, their work through me. I made an agreement with God many years ago. I don't ever want a message to come through me that hasn't been done in me. And so the same is true with with this book. And so I really had to go to work when I started to ask this question, what's here now? I had to actually really wrestle with, okay, if I'm not here, then where am I? And what I realized was most people have a tendency towards the past or the future. If they have a tendency towards the past, then you can usually see blame, shame, grief, bitterness, and guilt constantly recycling through your life. Mm. Those are kind of the the five markers of rehashing the past. Then for rehearsing the future, I realized there were five markers and that's what I tend to do. I'm like you, I rehearse the future. I'm, I'm always, I'm a visionary, I'm thinking out there, but people that rehearse the future tend to get stuck in worry, denial, you know, kind of creating these defense mechanisms around avoiding growth, pretending, obligation, and control. That these, when they show up in my life, they're usually a marker to say, hey, you're not really here. You're out rehearsing the future. And what I began to realize is that to receive the present, we just have to learn how to ground ourselves back into the moment. You know, and you think about the beautiful commandment that God first introduced in the Old Testament, and then Jesus reiterates, love the Lord your God with your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength. And so the way that we pull ourselves back into the present moment is through our mind, through our body, and through our emotions. And so I started to realize that when I asked the question, what's here now, I then followed it up with, okay, what am I sensing in my body? You know, the body never lies to us. The body is incapable of telling a lie. Like your actual physical state, like your physical health or. So I would literally uh just kind of go through. I did it right before I jumped on this podcast. I was like, okay, what's here now? All right. Haven't met Matthew in person. So I'm like feeling a little bit of like tension in my shoulders. 
you know, little nervous, butterflies in the stomach, book just came out, you know, like all those, all, the things, all those yeah. feelings here yeah. in my physical body. Okay. Pay attention to that. All right. Huh. What am I feeling in my heart? I'm feeling excitement. I'm feeling vulnerability. I'm feeling tenderness. I'm feeling uh, like I want to climb into a hole. Oh my gosh, I put all these words into the world. How do I hide? Um, you know, and then what are my thoughts? My thoughts are filled with, oh, I want this to be helpful. I want this to be really useful. I want this to draw people into God's presence, not into knowing about me or, you know, that I become something. I want people to experience God's presence. So these thoughts are all floating through my mind and um, how's, how's, this is going to be received, you know? And so it grounds me back into this moment so that I can be present with myself. I can be present with God and I can be present with you. And so now I just do this exercise with people all the time. My kids are utterly sick of it. Like <laughs> we were on spring break a couple of weeks ago and they're like, oh my gosh, mom, we are not going to ask what's here now again. <laughs> You're like, kids, mom wrote a book about this. We're putting this into practice to make sure it works. Right? Um, but for me, you know, and I, I love spiritual practices. I'm so grateful for different spiritual disciplines. But truthfully, when I was on the doorsteps of burnout, I did not need like seven things I needed to memorize or all of these right. like, things that I you know, needed to do. I was exhausted. I was drained. I was tired. And so yeah, you needed rest. I needed yeah, rest and, yeah. and I needed a way to come back into presence. And frankly, coming out of the last two and a half years that all of us have navigated our ways through, I don't know if there's a more important question for people to ask. What's here now? What's really here now? in my relationship with God, in my relationship with myself, in my relationship yeah. with the people that are here and around me. Um, because oftentimes when we're not paying attention to the present moment, then the people that we most love, they experience it. And they miss out on, we miss out on the present moment and the beauty that it holds in the relationships we can have with the Lord and with others. But then they miss out on us being fully present there. What I love about what you're saying with those three aspects and the, and asking that question, what's here now with body, mind, and heart. And by doing that, like you're not denying yourself of any of those things that are very real, maybe problems, grief, pain, anxiety, like you're calling them out. You're acknowledging that. And you're, you know, and I always think about it. Like when I take time to like take an on, honest inventory of what I'm thinking and how I'm feeling, it humbles me to realize how much I need Jesus too, <laughs> which, which then brings me back to the present moment to get Lord. I, my relationship with you has got to be a moment by moment thing because the further the distance between my quality time spent with the Lord the more impossible it becomes for me to discover what's here now because I'm not here anymore. I'm all caught up. So I love that you're not denying yourself of those things. You're not beating yourself up over those thoughts either, right? So when you take that inventory of those three things, you say, okay, this is how I'm feeling. This is what I'm thinking. This is what's going on. Where do you take it? What's next after that? Like that moment or those moments of kind of what you did even before this podcast? Is it 
do you find that it brings you to a place of prayer? Tell me the next thing upon that. I think that um, it brings me to a place of peace. And um, it's that uh, sense that uh, that peace that passes understanding that even if I notice and say grief is here, um, you know, like one, one of the chapters that I write about is, is grief and loss. And, and I've had some significant loss in my life with um, the passing of, of my father at a really young age and mm. the passing of my brother um, really unexpectedly, my younger brother in 2019. And, you know, oftentimes um, when we can name and say things like grief is here, right? Like I, I feel grief in my body or there's grief in my feelings or, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about this person that I miss or, or this mistake that I made, you know, grief over, um, you know, saying something hurtful, whatever. Um, I, I think that what we can do is we can allow ourselves to name it, to notice it, and then to allow God to move in it. You know, so many mm. of us, when it comes to the things that we're rehashing or the things that we're rehearsing, what ends up happening is we end up kind of pushing these things down under the water and denying them and ignoring them. But if you've ever pushed a, a beach ball underwater, it pops out. It just doesn't stay underwater, right? And, and when we push the things of our past underwater or we push the things out in the future underwater, it's going to pop out. But the the scary thing is, is that it usually pops out sideways. And so mm. what I'm trying to encourage people to do to experience that peace that passes understanding is to name it, to notice it, and then put intention behind it. Grief is here. I love that. What work do I need to do with grief, right? Or shame is here. A counselor in my life says that shame is self-hatred at my expense. If I'm rehashing some shame stories in my life and there's some self-hatred here versus kind self-compassion, what do I need to do with that? Like what work needs to be done? So I'm certainly a big advocate for encouraging people to dig in the dirt of their story. I have a counselor, a spiritual director. I've done group therapy. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm a big believer in all of that work. But I actually don't think you can start to do that work if you don't get clear about what's here now. How is it impacting this present moment? Yeah, and, and I mean, a lot of times it's on the surface, it seems easier just to ignore and deny and keep going in the same cycles because we're afraid to deal with that. So you're telling me that it's possible to change? It's possible not to live in constant self-hatred? It's possible to actually to deal with grief in a healthy way? It's possible? I'm being sarcastic, of course, because we know... We know that God does have great, great plans for us, plans to prosper and not to harm us, plans to give us a hope and a future. And none of those good things that God promises to us line up with the idea of living our lives constantly rehashing the past and hating ourselves for mistakes we've made or whatever that means, and then constantly bearing the burden of what our future needs to look like when he says he knows the plans he has for us. So I love it. I love the change that can come about by standing still, by stopping, by taking inventory. And uh, in case you couldn't tell, I'm this is speaking to me loud and clear. Mm -hmm. 
Hey, I got a question for you. Do you need to supercharge your hiring? Well, you need a super hiring partner. You need Indeed. Indeed is the hiring platform where you can attract, interview, and hire all in one place. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites searching for candidates with the right skills, Indeed is a powerful hiring partner that can help you do it all. Find great talent faster through time-saving tools like Indeed Instant Match, assessments, and virtual interviews. With Instant Match, over 80% of employers get quality candidates whose resume on Indeed matches their job description the moment they sponsor a job, according to Indeed Data US. I am an owner of a small business, Storyhouse, and uh, whenever I'm needing a new candidate to join the team, I wanna do that as quickly as possible and find the best candidates as possible, and Indeed has made that possible. With Instant Match, as soon as you sponsor a post, you get a short list of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job description, and you can invite them to apply right away. Even better, Indeed's the only job site where you only pay for applications that meet your must-have requirements. So listen, here's what I want to encourage you to do. Join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash West. Offer good for a limited time. Claim your $75 credit now at Indeed.com slash West. Indeed.com slash West. Terms and conditions apply. Pay per qualified applicant not available for all users. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Get creative with your kids this spring as you explore God's Word together with the new family discipleship resource from Awana. It's called Talk About. Talk About delivers child discipleship through simple discussions and family fun, forming lasting faith one conversation at a time. With your family's monthly subscription, you receive an email each week containing your Talk About bundle, including guided conversations through selected scripture passages that allow families to engage in the Bible and answer big questions with the truth of God's word. Fun, hands-on activities that take the guesswork out of child discipleship. As kids color, create, sing, and share, they're going to remember what they've learned throughout the week. Helpful references, videos, and insights that provide parents and caregivers with deeper levels of biblical knowledge to help deepen your family's understanding of God's word each week. This isn't just for the kids. It's for the parents too. It's the everyday moments of life that can become moments that make an eternal difference. These are the moments Talk About was created for. So bring the gospel home, help your kids form lasting faith, one conversation at a time. Try one month of Talk About for free with special promo code WEST. Start today at talkaboutdiscipleship.com. Guys, I want to tell you about an organization that I am so proud to be partnering with right now. Um, This is an app that's going to help you in a big way. According to New York Times, more than twice as many kids have been exposed to pornography online as their parents even realize. Now, as a dad, that's a terrifying statistic. But Canopy, a new next generation digital parenting app, is here to make the internet safer for kids by ensuring they never see graphic sexual content, even by accident, all right? Canopy blocks explicit images and videos on every single website. Its advanced AI filtering technology works on smartphones, tablets, and computers. To learn more, visit canopy.us slash west and use promo code west at checkout to get 30 days free and 15% off forever. Unfortunately, the internet is full of explicit content, but with Canopy, your internet doesn't have to be.
Your friend and mine, Bob Goff, you know, I, I listened to the interview that you did with him. And, and the way that he does this is he plants his feet. When he yes. walks into a conversation, he just plants his feet. And sometimes nobody knows that he's doing this, right? But it's his way of just saying one foot, two foot, I am here. It makes a difference in our relationships. You know, I often will say, if it's not happening now, it's not happening. And what I mean by that is, you know, you think about something maybe you're worried about in the future. Is it happening right now? It's not. Yeah. So it's actually not happening. You know, we think 60 to 80,000 thoughts a day. And so much of our suffering and our pain comes from the thoughts that we have about the past or about the future. But the funny thing is, is it's actually not happening in the here and now. The worry about whatever I have going on later, it's Gosh. not here. It's not now. Yeah. It's like we've written narratives and we we create these movies and these things play out. You're exactly right. I mean, and I can't tell you how many times I've done that. And, and things that wound up becoming such so much bigger in my head than they really were in reality, you know? You know, when my husband and I have uh, our strongly worded conversations, a.k.a. our, our arguments and our fights, um, they're almost always about something that we're rehashing in the past or rehearsing in the future yeah the beach ball comes out sideways in our marriage relationships a great example of those things for sure absolutely and so we try to practice this you know if if things are getting heightened and you know the the conversation is starting to elevate one of us will usually go okay wait time out what's here now and and usually that question if I pause or he pauses and we go okay what's here is you know I'm, I'm feeling some anxiety in my body. Uh, you know, I, I've got a headache. I feel overtired. So that's physically here, right? I'm feeling some thoughts of uh, fear. I'm feeling like you didn't really listen to me. So I'm, I'm having the, the feeling of sadness. Oh my gosh. When we check in with one another like that, it changes whatever it is that we were arguing about. What I love what you're saying is we can have a what's here now moment alone, right, before the Lord, and then the importance of some of those what's here now moments with our closest relationships and those who matter the most. So the application here is two-dimensional. There's multiple dimensions to this application, and I think that's super important because, like you said, and that image is going to stick with me about pushing that beach ball down and knowing that it is going to pop back up and it usually comes out uh, sideways, meaning when things get sideways, that means things get even more complicated. That means things can hurt more. That means more collateral damage is done because it wasn't dealt with soon enough, right? And so for somebody beginning that, like, look, I struggle so much personally with, I go on tour, I come home. When I'm home, I love being with my family and I feel like I'm, well, God's called me to be ministering and doing and all these things. And so sometimes I'll wrestle with having a hard time being here now and that. And then when I go on tour, I feel guilty for being away from my family and I'm struggling with that. So like one of the prayers that I have for this podcast is that it will do for others 
it will help open the window for others to do what you're describing. And that's why I was excited to have you on this show, because there's so many things vying for our attention. There are so many things saying, hey, look over here. Don't deal with what's really going on. I don't want this podcast to be another entertainment escape. I don't want it to be another rabbit hole. I don't want it to be another distraction. I don't want it to be another numbing agent. I want this to be a time where when people are listening in their car or they're at work, or they're at home, or they're on a walk with their iPods in, you're giving them the opportunity to grow here and have a what's here now moment. What would be some last encouragement for that person who's listening to this right now and going, I'm struggling. It could be the past, it could be the future, but I know I'm not living in the moment. Help me. You even mentioned it in your own story, right? Of, of your journey of, of touring and then coming home and feeling this sense of guilt, like, oh man, I've been gone, but now I have all these other things I need to do. And, and guilt just likes to hang our past over our head, right? It, and, it, and it keeps us from being in the present moment. And then this sense of like worry and like, oh, I'm not really here. And, and worry is simply living in a not yet that is worse than your now. And so what I would say is just start to ask yourself this question, multiple times throughout your day. It's literally mm. maybe the most simple and practical spiritual direction question somebody can ask themselves. When I first started doing this, I downloaded this app called Mind Jogger. And what it does is you type in and anything you want to have it say, but I typed in the question, what's here now? And you can say, interrupt my day, however many times. So I said, interrupt my day 10 times. It will randomly pop up on your phone. And for me, the question came, what's here now? I made a commitment to God that every time it would pop up, I would just ask myself that question. What's here now? Yeah. Okay, what's going on in my body? What's going That's on great. in my heart? What's going on in my mind? And it drew me back into the present moment and whatever's here, you know, Matthew, we are so pre-programmed to judge what is here. And we don't need to judge. We just need to accept what is here. Mm. Okay, grief is here. Can I just be with grief right now? Mm. Yeah, I, I, I'm feeling sadness or worries here. Okay, God, can you be with me in this worry? Oh, control is here. Oh, wow, okay, I wanna control some things. Can I be with the part of me that is fearful and wants to control. And you know, that self-compassion and that love that is always available from God, but we often don't give it to ourselves is a way to pull us back into the present moment. You know, so the psalmist good. says, if I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I go to the depths, you are there. And yet so often we aren't willing to notice and name, oh God, you are here. You're here in, in all of these ways I'm rehashing the past. You're here in all these ways I'm rehearsing the future. Will you help me be here now with what's going on in my life? And so I just would encourage people to welcome this question as a spiritual question. You know, real estate agents, they've got this mantra and they say, location, 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 location. right? That, that that's the best way to sell a house. And I actually think it is a phenomenal spiritual mantra. Like, can we actually pay attention to where are we? Can we ask ourselves, okay, location, location, location. Can I locate myself here in the present moment with mm. God, with myself, and with one another? 
I, I'm going to encourage anybody listening to this, go, write those words down. Of course, everybody's going to pick up the book and dive into this chapter by chapter with these how-tos of how to stop rehashing the past and rehearsing the future and really to start receiving the present. The book's called What's Here Now. Write those three words down. There's a That's a good starting place. I love, again, what you're sharing here in our final minutes. It, again, points towards intentionality. And one of the things it's like I always try to remind our listeners every week at the end, it's like, hey, you get one shot at this life. This is it. This is the one shot, right? And you don't want to waste it. And the definition of wasting it, one of the most frequent ways that we wind up wasting it is by never being in the moment and never really daring to believe that God can heal and redeem our past so that we don't have to carry that heavy weight with us, that he's already planned our future. So the, that burden is not up to us to be in control. And it really is his plan for us to not worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will take care of itself. Each day has enough troubles of its own. Thank you for that powerful reminder that I needed today. And thank you for putting your heart on your sleeve and your liquid tears, your liquid love tears on the pages of this new book. We're going to post a link at the official podcast page to Gene Stevens' new book. And uh, apparently one of these days I'm going to come to Chicago and we will eat Lou Malnati's pizza together. Does that sound like a plan? A hundred percent. And we'll go to a Bulls game and they'll win. Oh, that sounds like a perfect day right there. Gene, I'm so excited that we got the chance to hang out. Thank you for sharing your heart and your story today. And uh, congratulations again on the release of an important book that like, we all get one shot at this. And, and you're a, an influential voice even today and through this book for many people to not waste the one shot that they get and help us all to be asking that important question, what's here now? Thank you so much. Thank you, Matthew. It was such a delight to be with you and everybody listening today. And I just pray that you will experience more peace and more grace and more presence in your life. All right, now it's time for songs from the story house. During my conversation with Gene, I kept thinking about this song. Now, this is a song I have featured on the podcast before, but I don't care because this conversation with Gene was all about being present in the present moment. And I couldn't I couldn't shake the, the thought that maybe, just maybe, this song would tie in perfectly. So uh, take a listen to a little bit of this song that means a lot to me. It's called The Beautiful Things We Miss. I wrote this, I had the first idea to write this song on a hike, actually. I was climbing a mountain in Colorado. I almost said New York, but I'm not sure there are many mountains in New York. I was in Colorado, and I was so focused on the ground underneath me, making sure that I didn't trip because I had taken a nasty spill before. And at one point I stopped hiking and was just catching my breath, but it was the first time I had looked up to really notice how far I had climbed. And I turned around and I saw the most beautiful scenery around me. And I literally thought the beautiful things we miss, the things we miss because we're looking down, we're too focused on, you know, all the wrong things. And that wound up, of course, being turned into a song that I wrote with my buddy, AJ Pruse, all about the reminder of what really matters in this life. So, uh, I hope as you listen to this, it'll remind you to be present, be here, be now. Don't miss what really matters. She puts on her makeup And the last dress she remembers That turned his head The time he said You look beautiful At six the front door opens 
doesn't even notice Kisses are cheap, baby, when do we eat? I'm starving things we miss He's my dad, and he gives good advice, and that's why the last segment of today's show is called Dad Vice. Play that theme song. He's my dad, and he gives good advice, and that's why this segment is called Dad Vice. Dad, it's a special tour bus edition of Dad Vice. A lot of people probably have learned by now that you actually travel on the road with me quite yeah, a bit. Yeah. So here we are. This is... Uh, we will not stop putting out podcast episodes every Wednesday. Nothing will stop us, but we're on the tour bus today. Yes. We're shifting gears. We started the year with the theme of first things first, and now uh, we're sort of adopting the theme of my latest radio single, Me on Your Mind, and uh, going to enter into a series on that theme and reminding each one of us that God has us on his mind, no matter who we are, where we come from, or what choices we've made. So uh, let's dive into that theme of me on your mind today. 
All right. Uh, I, I want to read uh, some of the lyrics again on Me On Your Mind. I can't get enough of them. Who am I that the king of the world would give one single thought about my broken heart? And who am I that God of all grace wipes the tears from my face and says, come as you are. You paid the price. You took the cross. You gave your life and you did it all with me on your mind, with me on your mind. Matthew, I'm, I feel good about this uh, series. It's going to encourage a lot of people. And uh, we're going to start with Peter. And we could give it another title that God had a failure on his mind. Uh, we just celebrated Easter, and of course, Peter is right in the, the mix of the Easter message, and uh, we can learn so much from Peter's life. So just uh, quickly, three, three things about Peter. First, Peter, the failure. Peter had denied Christ. Peter had betrayed Christ three times. The rooster crows. The Lord looked at Peter and this is from Luke 22, 54 through 62, and just powerful scripture. And when Peter denied Christ, it says the Lord looked at Peter. And I wonder just what took place and what went through Peter's mind. Peter remembered what Jesus had said. Peter went out and wept bitterly. He realized that he failed his best friend. And uh, sometimes you have maybe a best friend that might fail you, and, and how do you look at them after that? Secondly, Peter forgiven. Here's a quote. Peter had been hiding in shame since he denied Jesus. He felt like a cowardly traitor and that all was lost. God's response to Peter's failure was forgiveness. He sent an important and inclusive message to the disciples through an angel and told the two Marys to deliver it. And in Mark 16, verse 1 through 7, and verses 6 and 7 we zero in on, the angel said to the Marys, don't be alarmed, you seek Jesus. He was crucified, he is risen, he is not here. Go tell his disciples and Peter. I, I love that word. You just look at that and it says, and Peter, uh, he was singled out by the angel to the Marys saying, tell all the disciples and Peter. I mean, what did that do for Peter? The key lesson here is even when we fail or make mistakes, we are still on his mind. All is not lost. He offers us forgiveness just like he did Peter. So what's the conclusion? He had a betrayer on his mind. He had a failure on his mind. He had a coward on his mind. And he has you and me on our mind. And that he didn't just forgive Peter, but that final, you know, he goes and meets Peter at his lowest point when Peter went back to his old life as a fisherman yeah, and invited yeah. him to breakfast. So yeah. I love the idea that he was uh, not just forgiven, but fed and in yeah, being fed by Jesus he was restored yeah, so uh, that's great. really the third point there yeah you know, Peter failure Peter forgiven and Peter fed fish that's fry that's awesome thanks dad you're welcome that's our show for today thanks so much for joining me thanks to my friend Jean Stevens for joining me we're going to post a link to her book what's here now how to stop rehashing the past and rehearsing the future and start receiving the present uh, it's available now, and you can get your copy. We're going to post a link at the official podcast page, which, as always, is matthewwest.com slash podcast. When you go there, it's a great resource. If you've missed any episodes, uh, you go back and you can just 
click on one that seems to interest you and you can find out all the information, links to songs of mine, all the things. Uh, also want to thank my dad as always for another great message with Dad Vice. Uh, our ministry is called Pop We, and if you enjoyed that devotional message he shared, we send a weekly devotional out to thousands of people called Day One Devos. It's a free gift from our ministry to you. Please take us up on that by visiting popwe.org, P-O-P-W-E.org. We also have a nationwide prayer network. If you're going through something and you want to know that you're not alone, we would love to include you on our prayer list. So go to popweed.org. Last but not least, if you have a story that you want to share, if God's at work in your life and you want to know that you're, listen, your story matters, right? That's a huge theme of this podcast. And we have a whole storytelling portal at our ministry's website where you can go, you can write it down, you can send a video and just share what God's doing in your life. And your story can have a ripple effect and encourage so many other people to let them know that God is at work in their story. And that is how it works. Okay. So go to popwe.org. Listen, thanks so much for joining me. And uh, remember, it's your story for his glory. I'll see you next week. Seriously, I, I, I do. <laughs>